Assumptions are the termites of relationships, said Henry Winkler. I'm Lee Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyonce Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. And this is In Camera Podcast, where we do not make assumptions. Instead, we ask and nurture relationships. podcast private legal marketing conversations grace welcome back how are you today good how are you liel i'm good grace very excited this is a race weekend i don't know what i'm starting with that but it is a race weekend and you know it's i believe the first sprint of the year which is also a little bit more exciting because qualifying is happening right now sprints happening tomorrow and then there's an actual race so enough about formula one because probably nobody cares uh outside of you and me let's talk about our next conversation, which is a very exciting one. And we have a special guest also joining us. So let's talk about that. Yes. So let's uh, introduce our very special guest and our very special topic. Um, we are going to be speaking about best practices when dealing with a highly educated client, surgeon, lawyer, so on, so on, with uh, a new friend of the company and law firm, and that is Dean Melchioni. Uh, Dean Melchioni was born and raised in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He graduated from the University of Texas, where he was a member of the men's basketball team. And since then, he has worked numerous jobs, but the longest and most recent was at Globus Medical, where he was an associate spine specialist. Globus is a medical device company, and in his role, he assisted the ortho neurosurgeons in all aspects of spine surgery, from planning the case, looking at x-rays, to executing a successful surgery in the operating room, to patient follow-up. This role also included building relationships with new doctors to accrue more business for his territory. Thank you, Dean, so much for joining us today. I appreciate you being here. Of course, of course. Happy to be here. Dean, welcome to In Camera Podcast. Really nice to meet you, and it's great having you here. Why don't we start? Why don't you tell us where you, where this podcast is finding you? Um, so right now, I am currently in my first week working for the uh, Lake Law Firm as uh, the Director of Operations for Single Events. So uh, as Grace and I have been working very closely, um, and it's been it's been great drinking through a fire hose a little bit, but uh, it's good. <laughs> uh, love learning new topic and working with great people. So uh, so things are good. I, I'm a little bit like a babe in the woods, but things are good. <laughs> That's great. And uh, where are you based? Where are you going to be working out from? Uh, I will be working out of Fort Worth, Texas. That's nice. Yeah. I, so you went to UT, right? I did. Some call nice. it the Harvard of the South. <laughs> that's right that's right you cannot refer to it in any other term yes. but um yeah great no I, i'm glad to hear i'm here in austin texas and so grace we have texas in the house right. what's well, happening what's happening here most of the times we're always uh there's more east coast present in this boat in this podcast than leave aside texas like just any other part of the world of the country so well, i'm, I'm glad to swing the uh, percentage in our favor today Exactly, exactly. So, um, Dean, the topic for today, I mean, it's very interesting, right? Um, we're, we're usually thinking, and particularly in this podcast, we're always thinking about consumers. And when we're thinking about consumers, we're always thinking about how to make things easy 
for them to understand, to grasp how to deliver a message in a way that it's approachable, that it's inclusive, amongst other things. Mm -hmm. Now, you're, you're here looking at a very particular demographic group, one that potentially knows already very well and understands very fluidly what you're doing, what your intentions are, and they can see very clicky, very, very easily through the mirror what's in it for them and what isn't, right? And yeah. so why don't you help us first establish what are the scenarios in which type of situations, which type of practices, how, how does this synergy between a law firm having as clients other lawyers or surgeons or other very highly qualified individuals? Well, the, the situation, you know, in, in dealing with these highly educated um, people, that most of the time people come in them very intimidated because, you, you know, years of schooling and they're usually very confident people themselves. So, uh, you know, one thing I always want to tell people is when you when you deal with these type of people, you, you can't go in intimidated. They just, you know, like you said, they they know what's in it for them and they they see it. They probably or may or may not know the subject better than you. So I, I think one of my first and best practices when dealing with lawyers or surgeons is always be honest with them because they they can smell BS from a mile away. And if you start stuttering or stammering or, or talking out of your backside, they're, they're going to know and then you will immediately lose all credibility. So what would you say are good ways, good practices for building trust? And obviously this is interesting. I mean, here we're talking and, and everything that we talk about here in In Camera Podcast tends to be seen from the legal standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. But obviously... Um, some of us here, including myself, are marketeers. And so obviously our clients are lawyers, right? Our, our clients are highly educated people. And so I'm very interested in hearing how do you think is a good way to build trust with someone that you are trying to turn into a client, which falls within this demographic? Uh, I think the biggest thing to build trust is to know, know what you're talking about. When I was in Globus Medical, um, you have to know your, your tools, your devices, what you're selling for that spine surgery. Because if you go in there, you're trying to sell a surgeon or, you know, you're trying to talk to a lawyer, you have to be confident in what, what you're selling, confident in what you know what you're doing. You can't be going to go, oh, yeah, I, I think this will work or the, these tools. And if the guy has them, he's asking you uh, what you can do with them. You, you have to be able to explain, you know, like it's the back of your hand, what's what what it can do and, and what you can do for that person to help them improve their business or improve their surgery, whatever it may be. Grace, what are your thoughts? You deal with lawyer clients all the time. So, you know, when you deal with them, there's really in all marketing, it's always the no like trust cycle, right? We always talk about that, how they got to get to know you, then they have to actually like you, and then they have to trust you, and then they might buy, right? So when it comes to that whole cycle, I think you know, being able to speak the language, being able to be trustworthy and talk to them in a way that makes sense is probably one of the most important things that you can do. You know, and, and to Dean's point, you know, when you're speaking their language and when you're talking to them, they need to see you. You don't have to be the expert per se, but you do have to know what you know and be confident in what you know and 
actually Dean and I had talked about this before where it was like, if you speak to a lawyer and you don't know something, or in the case of what he's, he used to do was a doctor or a surgeon, they may ask you a question just to see what you do know or don't know. So yeah. don't lie. Don't fabricate and just tell them, I don't know, but I can find out, you know, and, and seem knowledgeable in what you do and, and everything will work out just fine. Yeah. I would add to that, that, yeah, that's, that's good advice. Generally speaking, doctor or no doctor, uh, the individual that you're addressing, but I will add one thing. I, I really like a lot of what I heard here uh, from both of you. I will add here, understanding their pain points, understanding what the issues they're, they're having that you can potentially bring a solution to. Um, and I think establishing that very early on uh, in the conversation, I think that really helps build that connection, that empathy, right? I mean, we talk a lot here also in this podcast about empathy, but we're usually looking at, at plaintiffs who've been involved in a car accident and such. And it, it is a different type of empathy, but it's still empathy. Um, and so it works the same way. If you understand, if you show that you know what are the struggles they're going through and can relate to them, and at the same time, start guiding them through a potential solution to that, then I think you stand a very good chance of at least gaining their interest, at least them giving you a little bit more of room to explain and continue earning their attention and building on that trust. And Leo, I, I think you brought up a great point when you talked about, you know, understanding the pain points of the person you're talking to, because that, you know, everyone, the reason you're talking to them, they know why you're there and you want to add value. And that's what it comes down to. And, and those understanding their pain points about whether you want to improve their processes, drop their costs, uh, anything of that nature. It, it's really good to go in understanding that and, and show them right away because most of these people you're talking to, time is money for them. So, you know, going in there, immediately establishing, you know, I understand how I can help you. And these are the ways lay it out. I think that's there, there's no better way to add value. And Grace, you said something very good as well, right? Which is ideal scenario, ideal scenario, you'd want them to already know about you even before a conversation is started, right? It would be fantastic if there's enough awareness about who you are, what you do, even before you initiate a conversation. Uh, why? Obviously, well, because then a lot of that groundwork's already be laid out for you. And I think that just puts you on a much more advantageous position. And just kind of like looking at it from the, from the marketing standpoint, that is why it's important to constantly be building your brand. You know, whether it's through organic or paid methods, the effect ultimately it's pretty much the same. You just are known, right? You just fulfill, you kind of like check that box that you become known. So I think that's a very, very important step that just completely changes the landscape for you and, and the amount of access that you're likely to get. So I don't know what's been your experience with that, Dean, uh, in terms of how do you make yourself of more interest to your to the individuals that you want to sell to in this particular mm. case before before you initiate a conversation well that, that it's kind of you know what you're you're talking about your brand and and it's your reputation follows you everywhere your reputation precedes you and uh and coming from where i came from in the medical device world with globus 
They're known for their, their innovative technology. We have stuff that no one, no one else has on the market. So we can, we can provide these surgeons with abilities in surgery to give their patients unbelievable opportunities to get back on their feet, get healthy again. And when the surgeons talk to each other, they hear about, oh, this really cool technology that only Globus has. It is, it, it, it's unbelievable because they're kind of excited. Like, oh, they're always wanting to learn, always interested in what's new. They want to be on the cutting edge of things. And by having, having new great technology and really getting the surgeons excited, that, that, that helps a bunch. Yeah, know very well your value proposition, right? How do you how do you stand out? What do you have to mm -hmm. contribute to them that no other can? Right? Mm -hmm. What sets you apart? I think that's so so valuable. Grace, how can we how can we bring this down to the relationships between lawyers and partners, such as medical providers, such as other attorneys, and so forth and so on? Because this happens, right? I mean, referrals from one law firm to another law firm have to go through this process in order for one lawyer to decide, I want to refer to this lawyer, right? It is exactly the same process that one goes through. So um, how do you see that being played out from inside a law firm? So I see it every day, right? I mean, especially with what we do in particular, how we oh, handle yeah. cases. So um, in this network, right? Because that's what it is. You're building a network of people and a network of attorneys or a network of whatever. And that includes the people you're selling to, right? And, and so in a referral network, it is you selling your unique selling proposition to another lawyer. Why should I co-counsel with you? Or why should I refer a case to you? Or why should I take a case from you <clears throat> as a lawyer? Do I know, like, and trust you enough to do that, to put my name against your name or together with yours on a particular retainer agreement, because that is what you're doing. You're putting your license up, right? So as a lawyer, in this case, when you were referring to another lawyer, <clears throat> there I talk about this all the time, actually, at, at like Pilma Super Summit. And there's a few times where I talk about when we deal with data mining and referring out cases. Do, I know, I'm sure you remember um, yeah, where I, I specifically don't... talk about that, where I'm telling people, you need to know who you're referring to because are you going to get referral reports? Are you going to get information back? Is your client going to be the service the best by giving it to this other lawyer? So you have to know, like, and trust your referral network. Same as if you were selling a device, same as if you were anything you sell or do in the most general circumstances has to start with the whole no like trust cycle and any relationship we're in. I mean, regular relationships like Dean and I, I know Dean because I know his brother. So I know he comes from somebody I know, right? So that starts there. Yeah. Then now I've worked with him for a whole week straight. I like him, right? Because I know what he can do. Yeah. Now building the trust, right? And ours was able, we were able to shorten that cycle because yeah. it came from a no like easy to the trust cycle at the end. So it's the same thing when you're selling a device or you're referring a retainer, you're referring a case, whatever you're doing with another law firm, you better believe you need to know, like, and trust them because you're putting your case, your license, and what you're doing in their hands. No, exactly. The no, like, trust thing is huge. And it kind of reminds me of something uh, my coach at Texas used to say when we go through kind of the scouting reports is uh, he called it KYP and that's uh, know, know your personnel. And that's just, it's something so big because no matter who you're talking to, who you want to work with, 
um, potential clients. It's always you want to know who you're talking to. Most importantly, what you know, what you alluded to earlier, what are their pain points? Where can you bring value? And you you don't want to skew off that. You just you know you want to be concise and go straight in for that no like trust cycle and this just know who you're talking to. And I, I really think that's a big part of, uh, of building any, any trust. Grace, in your experience, what do you think are the essentials, the fundamentals that a lawyer is looking in when they're looking at potential referral uh, cases or co-counseling? And obviously these are two are different. I don't know, maybe if you would like to differentiate between one and the other, but what do you think is, is on the wish list? What are the basics that need to be there when you're another law firm trying to attract more referrals from other law firms? What would you think would be the most fundamental thing that you need to anticipate is going to be wanted? So there are essentially, I'd say, five fundamental items. Um, there could be more, it could be less, but I'd say out of these, the first and foremost is what's the size of the firm? Do they have enough lawyers? Do they actually litigate? Are they trial attorneys? What do their settlements look like? And those all fall into the same kind of, what is their business makeup, right? So I'd say the very first thing is knowing how they're set up, how their processes are currently working, and how quickly do they take care of their clients? Because you're sending over a referral. So I need right. to know how fast you get to a settlement how often you might settle versus you go to trial. So all of these metrics are yeah. extremely important to know besides do I really know, like, and trust this person? And those came from all of those numbers, right? Besides the relationship, it's knowing can they actually service my client to the best of my client's needs? Or would it be better for me to do it myself? Or would it be better to send it to someone else? So when you look at a referral firm, you need to make sure that the staff that they have in place is enough to handle what you're referring to them. You need to make sure that they have enough attorneys, paralegals, and staff to actually handle what you're referring to them. Have they done that case type before? Right? Because there's med mal. There could be motor vehicle accidents. It could be slip and fall. It could be mass torts, which is what we normally do. I mean, there's so many practice areas, right? So you need to make sure that you are sending it to the correct attorney to handle that practice area. And then from there, it's just a matter of what kind of reporting do they have? What CRM system do they have? What technology do they have in place to take care of clients? Because your client is going to be serviced by this company, by this law firm in that way. So how are they going to service my client? And knowing all of that will help you service your client the best. And that is always what attorneys are trying to achieve, right? Is how do I best take care of my client? Who's going to get him or her the best compensation and take care of them as well throughout the whole process because they are injured. And I guess, Grace, that's where that's where building thought leadership in the space is so important, right? Yes. And we talk that so much about the importance of building your brand and such. And we're usually always thinking about consumer. We're always thinking about front-facing. But at the end of the day, it's so important as well to be putting as much effort into expanding your network, into being perceived as a thought leader. Well, not 
being perceived, but positioning yourself as a thought leader within that network. So those all of those answers get answered, right? Because you don't really get an opportunity to pitch. This, this is not a sales process where you, you know, go to a shark tank, there's lawyers there and you get to explain to them why they should send take cases to your law firm, right? That, you know, may be an idea out there, but at the end of the day, uh, this is a decision that ha that happens over time by just building your reputation, as you were saying, Dean. It's mm -hmm. something that you you become known for, and so I guess that's the value of being part of organizations such as National Trial Lawyers, American Association for Justice, and getting your spot on the stage to speak, to talk, to be perceived as, hey, you know, these these. These are uh, the leading law firms in this space. And so if you're there learning from them, you might as well be very assured that if they are going to take over a case from you, they'll do a heck of a job in handling it. So um, that's all great. Now, Dean, I'm very interested in hearing how does this play out on, on the, in, in the medical space? You've been dealing with doctors for, mm -hmm. for several years now, and, and they're also very peculiar right and so it's not it's not unknown that there is a lot of partnerships between doctors and lawyers right no. uh, we're not going to get into details there but these exist so yeah. how what do you think is are the elements that that make that synergy work and i'll help you here let's take money out of the equation right mm -hmm. because that's not part of the incentive mm -hmm. that a doctor should have about working more closely with a law firm or not yeah. What would be the other things that you think a, a doctor will appreciate, a medical provider? Well, the, the biggest thing is, is you keep talking about is your reputation. Um, you know, is this person trustworthy? You know, as Grace was saying, do you, when you do your research on them, do they do good work? You know, do I trust this person to, if I'm going to send you somebody, you know, I'm putting my name on the line as well. So, you know, do they do good work? Do they get it done in a timely manner? It, is it cost effective? But at the end of the day, whether it's for a doctor or who has their patients or a, a lawyer with their clients, at the end of the day, they both want what's best for that person. And I think that's the biggest thing they can connect on is the overarching goal that both of them want what's best for their patient, for their client. And, and that's something they really can connect on. And, you know, again, you take out money in the equation. That's why both of them got into it is it's to help people that has, you know, unfortunately something is bad and they want to help people. And I think the synergy exists right there at their very core value. Grace, I think you're going to agree with me on this one. I think adding to what Dean said, which is really the, the baseline and the fundamental is integration, right? How, how frictionless can these partnerships be? Because one of the things I'm very aware is really a pain in the neck is, is the communication of medical records, passing them on from one party to another, getting documentation taken care of, whether it's from the law firm to the medical provider or the other way around, and to whomever other third party might have to see them at some point. That process can be really kind of like the, the deal maker or the deal breaker. If, if you have good, strong procedures for that, then you may be of a lot of desire for a medical provider. If you if you are not well organized from that standpoint, I think that and you can be a heck of a lawyer, but you're not organized from that standpoint. I think that's going to be a big pain point for um, medical providers. What do you think? So I actually... This is perfect when, do you recall when we went to the CEO lawyer conference of an actual yeah. medical provider got on the stage and told us yeah, what yeah. they want 
So that is exactly what I'm going to talk about here. And that is, they were specifically saying, I need communication. I want to know what it is that you're looking for, for your client, because I want the client to be taken care of too, to Dean's point. I want them to be okay. So what do you need? Like, I'm not going to make up a note. I'm not going to make anything up. But if you need me to notate something that I note when I'm actually going over this person's injuries, let me know. And she even provided, it was a a female um, medical provider. I think she was a doctor, actually. Um, She provided a sheet that she uses as the intake when the person comes in and says, I am hurt here, 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 and here. That was specific to motor vehicle accidents, which is actually perfect for Dean here. Um, But that is the type of stuff that you want, right? You want to see, okay, that's the intake sheet she uses. Maybe that's the intake I should use when I take that person in. (laughs) If she asks those questions, those are the questions I should probably ask. You know, it it, it just makes sense, right? Because you get this two-way communication where you're definitely going to be able to take care of your client because you have a direct communication with the person taking care of their treatment. So if you can get anything from this conversation at all, it is speak to the providers directly because you will get the most benefit and your client will get the most benefit from the lawyer talking to the provider right away and getting all of the elements of what happened to them, how they got hurt, where they were hurt, And then marrying that with whatever the situation is, right? Whether it's a motor vehicle accident or a hernia mesh implant or whatever it might be. Learn the language and understand what they're trying to communicate to you so that you can best serve your client. That's how I look at it. Great point, Grace. And you're starting to bring it all down to takeaways. So before we get into that, I'd like to thank once one more time to Dean for joining us for this really good, short, but insightful conversation And Dean, why don't you start taking us through what do you think could be some good, actionable, or concepts that we can get us takeaways from this little chat here? I think one of the biggest things is um, kind of building off what Grace said, is just being transparent in what you need and and what the goal is. You know, if you want these medical records and things to to flow smoothly, then you just talk to people so much is lost in translation and it's really tell them what you need and just don't, don't assume anything, tell them, talk, discuss, and talk with the, uh, the language of it as well. Just so, you know, know the language, know who you're talking to and, and where, where you can add value. And I think that's the biggest thing is just being transparent and, and really talking with people. That's a really good point as a whole. And I really like there what you've said about do not assume because that generally tends to be a mistake uh, all around, right? Mm-hmm. You assume things, but um, you only know so much. There's always going to be a space, a gray area that you're not, that you may you know, not be aware of. And, and, and a lot can be going on in there. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it, you know, when you assume in like these, some of these, um, you know, these cases, you know, dealing with medical records, you're going back and forth. Most of this stuff is very time sensitive. So the less you have to, call back and forth. Oh, you need this. Well, I did this, but I wanted this. The less you can knock all that out and just get strictly to the point, it, it furthers the process, makes it go so much smoother and quicker. And, and that's to everyone's benefit. So you have two more. What would you say would be your two other takeaways? My biggest one is be confident. When, when, you, when you are dealing with someone, I always think you should know what you're talking about and be confident about it because 
it, when you walk into a room, when you talk to somebody, if they're kind of like a limp noodle or something like that, you know, that's it's not someone who inspires confidence. It's not someone you want to do business with. So I, I think confidence in, in any situation, whether you're dealing with a client or a potential client, anything like that, it, 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 be confident. Be confident in what you do. Be confident in what you sell. Be confident in your abilities. Body language there stands out also, I think. It has to be a right balance. And, and, and I think also one important point in there is uh, approachability. I think people want to talk to people that they can connect with. And I think um, there's a thin line that can, that can be crossed between confidence and, for instance, something like arrogance. And so definitely you don't want to be falling down that path. Mm-hmm. You want to be on the confident, approachable kind of uh, mix, right? Yes. Yeah. And, you, you don't, you don't want to come off as a jerk, but you, you do want to have <laughs> enough, enough self-confidence where, yeah, it's, it's approachability, exactly. but people believe in you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a good one. Your final takeaway, Dean? Uh, my final takeaway is it goes back to your, your reputation. I think that's so important in, in what we all deal with and putting the work in on the front end. So, you know, people, hear about these good things, whether it's a a peer-to-peer recommendation, whether they read about you, is doing the work on the front end. So when you get the opportunity, you know, who knows, sometimes, you know, this client will only come through, or maybe I'll meet with this surgeon just one time, is do the work on the front end. And when the opportunity comes, your reputation will will be there, it'll be intact. And like I said, you can provide value immediately. that, That warm intro is huge versus then going in, someone's like, okay, does this guy know what he's talking about? Oh, I don't know. You know, if they know what's coming, you can just immediately go into whatever you'd like to do business with. Grace, anything to add to these great takeaways? Uh, no, they were really good, actually. Um, it's I, I would have stolen all of them. <laughs> um, I think the only thing is, you know, know your USP. What is your unique selling proposition, right? What is your niche? Like, I mean, Dean has said that a few times throughout this whole conversation. What do you have to offer me that is different from someone else? Why should I talk to you? Really, really good insights as a whole. Dean, thank you so much for sharing these three takeaways. Uh, I guess, Grace, just like you added that, I think also the understanding of, of the pain points, right? Understand what are the things that matter to your to the, to the person that you're addressing. Kind of like going back to your KYP that you've mentioned, mm-hmm. Dean, you need to know your personnel. And by that, you mean you understand what's on their mind, what motivates them, and also yes. what frustrates them and address that straight, straight front. So Dean, thank you so much again for joining us for this conversation and, you know, good luck in your new role. That must be very exciting. Thank you. you. Working, working with Grace, you already know you're in a great team and we're looking forward to seeing more of you here around this podcast. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It was great being here and I appreciate and look forward to uh, seeing you guys real soon. All right. Thank you very much. Take care, Grace. Thank you. Bye. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.